you know, all people who really don't believe that he wants to bless them abundantly, that they're, they're too lack-oriented. And the Lord is saying that he's going to prove to you his abundance, and he wants to prove it to you in a way where you won't forget it. And so once he imprints it, he wants you to put, put a request out there, let him know what you need, and make sure you expect abundance. And once he brings that, he says you will never doubt and never fear anymore. He's going to put an impression in your spirit that that's who he is and that's what he wants you to have. So give him a chance to do it is what he says. Give him an opportunity to do it. And he'll do it for you, says the Lord. Amen. Praise God. You may receive the offering. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Your son, Jesus, we honor him at this time and actually every day. But during this time or this season of the year, all men look to Christ. All men, the, the Christmas story is told throughout the world. I thank you, Lord, the gospel is not bound. It's not hid. If it is hidden, it's hid from those who lie in darkness. But we do ask you, Lord, in your mercy to shine your great light of mercy upon those who are sitting in darkness. Enlighten them. Invite them into your covenant of peace and blessing. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us and all that you are going to do. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, 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 amen. So uh, the Lord told me to talk to you today about having no doubt. Amen, having no doubt. We, we cannot expect God to bless us if we have doubt in our hearts about his provision or doubt in our hearts about anything that he has promised to do for us. And living a doubtless life does take some effort, but it's doable because God has made every provision for us to be able to be people who have no doubt, doubt in your heart. You know, you can have a, a, a doubt in your head where maybe you think something may not happen, and it doesn't have to be in your heart, but eventually it will get in there. So, you know, doubt in your head, you know, there's people who say, well, if you have doubt in your head and faith in your heart, that will override that. But just think about it. You have to have your mind cooperate with your spirit for you to get from point A to point B. If there are things that God is telling you to do, whether the doubt is in your head or your heart, if you don't do them, you don't get the results of obedience. And so there's things that we need to make sure we understand about how to live a doubt-free life and how to live a life of faith, how not to let your faith slip. Because many times there are, are subtle attacks on your faith that you may not even be aware that that's what's happening. But it, the end result is to pull you away from trusting God, you know, pull you away from the results of God in your life pull you away from having for from confidently obeying God in all things. So, God has made many promises to his people. In Mark 11:23 and 24, we see that we cannot doubt in our hearts, but we must believe if we follow God's instructions, we will have what we say. Amen. The enemy's first attack is against your words. Because he knows how powerful words are. Uh, God let me know many, many years ago, well, before we started the ministry, he said, you know, you are going to engage in a war of words. 
and he said i want you to be careful about the words that you speak careful about how you speak and careful about uh, making sure you speak my word in the situations because that's what's going to change anything is the word of god is always there to help change situations to line up with god's uh, plan and with what he wants to see occur so if we will do that then we will understand that words are important as far as uh, establishing your covenant with god we're talking about covenant establishing words if i can use that term and when i say that i mean things that are mandated for your life will only come into your life if you usher them in with your words so your words will provide a pathway for the blessing of god into your life many times when we um are are shut down in our spirits or we shut our spirit down or we shut our faith down we find that we speak less we're less engaging we're less spontaneous because we don't want to uh, engage ourselves it's almost like you're telling god you don't want to cooperate with him because you clam up you know what i'm saying like people get in a bad mood and they don't speak or you know they barely talk to anybody it's because their faith for the good things in life has been shut down in some way y'all with me or you see and and see that it's like when when uh jesus would heal deaf and dumb people is really to lose their faith in their lives because if you don't speak you can't express the things you know that's a real curse from the devil somebody who cannot talk and express themselves and so when when we it is such a curse that if we shut ourselves down from speaking we kind of live internally and we live and when you start to live more internally than engaging yourself in creating a good life for yourself on the outside uh, that's when the enemy can come in and start to feed things to you that you won't even question sometimes because you just live so much in that like you know you see people i'll see people that uh, you know commit crimes or something like that and i'll think to myself i said well their world was so small they couldn't see any help for themselves except they do this to get themselves out of it and so forth and so on the larger your world is the more opportunities you have to help yourself and to move on from the difficult place that you're in now into a better place so you expand your world by your words you just do you create greater possibilities for help for yourself with your words you won't create anything from by clamping down by living out of your head and the torment that's in your mind or you know sometimes it's good to say certain things because once it gets out of your mouth you realize how crazy it is <laughs> you understand what i'm saying you can judge yourself a lot better through expressing what's inside than just leaving it in there and leave it to fester 
and torment you because after you start adopting it to be a part of you, then be, it becomes real to you. And that's when you're really in trouble. Because the Bible tells us to cast down imaginations that exalt themselves against God's word. So if there are things that you're thinking and things that you're concerned about, things you worry about that don't line up with God's word, they are to be brought under the authority of the word of God. Like, no, I'm not going to believe that because God's word says. And then you release that into your heart and into your mind and into your world. So once the word of God is released into your world, by speaking it, by meditating on it, by embracing it, putting your faith stamp of approval on it, then it will begin to work for you. And it won't be so censored by your thoughts that will tell you it will never happen, uh, it can't happen, or uh, that's not for me, or I'm not interested, or God's not going to do it. Or, you know, any of those things that would come to uh, to kill the word of God and make it of none effect in your life. So really, the war of words actually starts within us. We have to decide what we're going to believe. And if you're going to believe the word of God, you have to believe all of the word of God. You can't just believe the parts that you think you want or you think you're going to enjoy. Because you don't know what your life is going to be. You know, I never thought of myself as a minister when I was growing up. I was going to go to college, be a lawyer, be a doctor or something like that, you know. And uh, that was what I knew and that was what I believed. Preacher wasn't in, even in the, on the radar. I didn't know anything. I didn't know any preachers. I didn't know anything about church people. You know, just, you, just something your mother made you do. They made you go. And then after a while, he quit making you. So, you know, you just kind of kind of would wing it. And so then that's the way it is with us, with the life that God has for us. You have no clue what he wants you to do or what you will turn out to be until you tap into where God is. And you learn who you really are. Because your identity is going to change. When you are born again, you are a totally new creature. You've never lived before. You've never been here before. And so you have to trade in your old ideas and aspirations for the new thing that God has for you. If he doesn't give you anything radically new, he will radically change your, your original imprint of who you are. Whoever you thought you are will be greatly enhanced because of God's power working in your life. Then you've got to understand that first and foremost, you are a child of God and a believer. So you've got to do what believers do first and foremost. And so when you understand the radical change that God has in your life, you'll appreciate more that you have the word to help you accomplish these radical things. Because the things that you want to do or you think you can do can easily be accomplished by natural means. If you want to go to school, there's natural ways to get you in school. If you want a decent job, there's natural ways to do that. But if you belong to God, then you've got to submit everything through the filter of his word. You've got to take the time to pursue God enough to know exactly what he wants you to do and how he wants you to do it. 
but God does want us to have success in everything that we do, but we got to factor in the fact that we are new creatures. We have never lived before. We've never gone this way before. So even the natural things you may want to do with your life have a supernatural enhancement because of God's word. They have a supernatural new purpose now because of God's word. Everything is different now because God, you have a covenant with God and he has a plan for you. So in Mark 11, if you'll turn there, that'll be where we'll start. And in verse 20, it says, And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith to him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. In one instance it says, withered away so soon. So they knew that trees died but they died gradually and slowly. Nothing was healthy one day and was totally dead the next. It was a process, a slow process. The thing we need to understand is that God can accelerate time on things. It does not have to take forever to get something from God. He can accelerate time in situations, and and time is nothing to him. He just has an appointed thing for our lives And he'll bring it to pass at the appointed time. Jesus answering said to them, have faith in God. And that's what God is saying to us. Have faith in me. Not faith in what you know or faith in what it usually takes. You know, what what Peter was saying, usually it takes a long time for a tree to wither. It's gone already dead, died overnight. Jesus, what happened? And, And Jesus said, I have faith in God. In other words, what Jesus is saying, I might be just as surprised as you are. Because I didn't know the Father was going to have it die right now today. But since that did happen, let me tell you something. See, Jesus' life was like that. It was full of situations, what they call teachable moments. You know, you hate to use these terms because everybody uses them. They don't really mean much. But <laughs> but this was a time where he could take them aside and expand to them what faith in God really means. What does it mean to put your faith in God? When you put your faith in God, that means that you take yourself out of the picture. Except for continuing to have faith in God. (laughs) You got me? That's, That's your biggest job to do. You must continue to have faith in God. Amen? The Bible says, if you continue in my word, you are indeed my disciples. You know, we've got all kinds of levels of disciples. we got half-time disciples, part-time disciples. If it, the message feels good to me, disciples. But he's someone indeed. That means in your works and what you do. And you're true to, uh, through and through. You know, you're a through and through disciple. You're somebody who loves me and who uh, studies me and who wants to serve me. Anything I ask you to do, you're willing to do it. That kind of disciple. So you know the numbers get slimmer the more commitment you have to make to the Lord. And so he said, but, but he takes these opportunities to teach the disciples these, these uh, principles of the word of God. So whenever principles are laid down, it's a good thing to invest a lot of time in understanding them because they will, they will 
the, if it's a principle, say a principle of knowledge or a principle of God's kingdom, the thread of that knowledge will run throughout everything that you do in your life. It just will. So it pays you to pay attention and perfect certain things. You know, it's not like when we were in school. You know, if you didn't like, if you didn't like long division, you could sleep through them classes until they got to something else you liked more. And you could still probably get a C, sometimes a B. And if you could call on your teacher and, and do some extra credit work, you didn't know nothing about math and you got an A. God ain't like that. Uh, he's not like that. You don't. He doesn't pass you because you're taller than everybody. Huh? And let you just go on and graduate and that little piece of paper don't mean nothing. Huh? It's getting worse, not better. You know what I'm saying? Uh, people just aren't, children aren't learning. The, the people who are teaching your children are not keeping up with the demands that it takes to, to get knowledge into them the way they should. See, they're falling down on the job. Don't let anybody fool you. Because excellent teachers are everywhere, but the system that they have, a public school system, does not allow them to keep up and innovate and allow them to do things that will entice your children to want to learn. Everybody has the capacity to learn. Amen. And But it takes somebody who is skilled at teaching to tap into that and make it come to fruition. Amen. And so it's like, uh, you know, the things that we, we know that we appreciate now that were innovative in their time. There was a time where autistic children and um, uh, children with Down syndrome uh, were offered the opportunity to go live in an institution, not at home. It was considered too much of a burden for the parents. Out of ignorance, people just didn't take the time to understand anything. And uh, uh, Eunice Shriver, I think she passed away now. She's a Kennedy. She had a sister who had been put in a mental institution. They had done all kinds of surgeries on her brain that kind of helped her. And she was never able to live with the family. And she loved her sister. And she always prayed. They were a Catholic family. She always prayed that one day she would help people. She wanted really to help her sister. But she said, well, I'll help people like my sister. And so they had a huge property. I think it was... Uh, where did they live? The Shrivers live like near D.C. or something like that. But they always, you know, wealthy people. And so she decided she would have an Olympics for special children one year. And so she invited all of these kids and all these people get equipment. And she's the crazy person in the family, of course. Everybody tries to, we're dignified people, you know, and talk her out of it. They go to the mother talk to Eunice, she's at it again, blah, 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 and the mother would pray for her. She said, now leave her alone, you know, that kind of stuff. And so from that, she did it one year, and the people, the children that came were so excited to be out in the fresh air and playing like normal kids, uh, it convinced everybody involved to do it again. And from that developed the Special Olympics that we see now. Amen. See, Amen. Innovative ideas are like that. Once they're successful, everybody's on the bandwagon. But until they get out there and get successful, then nobody wants to be involved with it. And so this is what is needed in education now 
for children. Somebody needs to step out there and do something innovative, and once they show it works, everybody will get on the bandwagon. But we know what they're doing now is not working. Amen. You can't make it work by throwing more money at it. you got to get somebody in there who has an idea, a God kind of idea to put out there so it can, can make sense to somebody. And that's the same way with our faith. When we have things inside of us that we know are God, or we think might be God, or we suspect might be God, or we want God to bring them to pass, they have to get outside of us by our words. They have to be made real and and made alive by our words. Your words, your tongue is like a, a match that ignites your life. It's just like a, a match ignites a fire and causes it to burn and causes it to make life and heat and all of the things that fire provides. That's what our tongues are as far as God is concerned. They make the things of God that are inside of us alive. They will never come to life if they're not expressed. Once you express your faith in God, you've got to know every devil in hell will try and make you feel stupid, try and make you feel unworthy. Who do you think you are talking like this? God's not going to do that for you. Oh, it'll take a long time for that to happen. You won't live long enough for it to see it. You understand what I'm saying? So the why does that happen? Because when you speak the word of God outside of you and in faith, you've got the faith of the Son of God on it. You've got God's faith on it. Like Jesus was smart enough to curse the fig tree and not put a time on it. His sister Edder said, she said, God can give you a prophecy and the devil will turn around and make you put a date on it. It happens that fast. So, so Jesus didn't put a time on it. And so when it happened overnight, that gave that opened up the door for him to teach them how what faith in God, the rewards of faith in God, how that will reward your life. So it's not like Jesus necessarily knew within him when it would happen, just like you and I don't know exactly when things will happen when we put our faith in God. And that's the beauty of faith in God. You don't have to know when it's going to happen. See, when you get to the point where you don't have to know when stuff is going to happen, that's when you really trust God. You're not trusting him if you got to win, 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 win. That's when you're really trusting God. He told them, he said, have faith in God. Have a dose of God's faith. You can have God's faith if you put your faith in him. See, if, if you're, you're, you put your faith in him. See, when we say have the God kind of faith or have God's faith in you, that also includes that you don't have to know when stuff is going to happen. See, we think if we have the God kind of faith, we know everything. That's not true, at least not on our end. We, we know in part. We know what God releases to us. So that doesn't mean when you say you have the faith of the Son of God, it will operate just like it did with Jesus. 
And there were many things that Jesus didn't know because he was down here on earth. Once you get on earth, you go into a time, a time run system. This, this earth is run on time. What you're doing is you're bringing a, a force, a spiritual force called faith that does not respect time. Faith doesn't wait. Patience does. Got me? So faith is like an explosion sitting in a container that can be released at any time. The container is because it's on earth. In heaven, it's free. It's loose everywhere. But on earth, it's put in an earth capsule or an earth container. So it can be released at God's wisdom discretion. Because God has all wisdom in all things. He knows when to release things into our lives based on how much we trust him. If you really trust God, it doesn't matter when things happen in your life. huh? Many times we get in a pinch. You know how you, you, you just got to. God is your only hope. God is your last resort. Disaster hits. And you oh God. Uh, You've got to trust him because everything else you've been trusting in does not work anymore. But then we're in a panic and we're at the end of our rope when we finally seek God. But we want him to work now. See, you want him to work on panic time. And he's pulling God time into your situation. So this is why many times we get into conflict with his kingdom that lives in us that he's trying to get us to release and get us to trust him 100%. When Mark 11:23 says have faith in God it just means let everything go and trust that when he comes he brings the whole package with him. That you don't have to package it up and make it work because God's in it. Like you don't have to make, you don't have to be concerned about how long it's taking because when God comes, he brings more time with him. In fact, you're going to be sitting there wondering, (laughs) huh? What was I so stressed about trying to get this into my life? Now I got more stuff to take care of. So when he says have faith in God, it means that trust him all the way down the line. Amen. So the whole process of what God wants us to to live by and how he wants us to live a no doubt life is summed up in this sentence. Have faith in God. Once you do that, the whole thing is taken care of. If we doubt God's good, <clears throat> if we doubt God's goodness, intentions, love, covenant, we will not receive what we ask for. And really, that's where the doubt is. Most of the time, you don't doubt God's going to, you don't doubt God's going to give you a good job. You got people around you all the time with good jobs. You don't doubt that God's going to give you your own business if you want it. You know, you, you see plenty of people doing that kind of, everything that's earthly that we get all stressed out about. We already know people with those things, so it's not like you really don't qualify. What you really are doubting is God's intentions toward you. 
how he feels about you, what he thinks about you. You're, you're doubting what we refer to as relationship. That's why it takes time. Because it takes time to develop relationships. So the time we think we're waiting, what, what, I'm, I'm, and we use this term, waiting on the promises, waiting on God, I'm waiting on a minute, waiting, 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 waiting. What do you think waiting's all about? You're just sitting here watching your watch and God is up there in heaven watching you stew? Huh? Don't get quiet on me. What's the waiting about? Why is there a wait? Mm-hmm. All waits come to an end. One way or the other. See, what the devil wants to do is end your wait by making you give up. Because, see, the, that's what wait means. It means it's going to be over at some point. See, How is it going to end? See, that's what we have to decide. And many times we are waiting why we don't know. And that's where the enemy comes in and plays in your head. He'll tell you, God, no, God's not going to, you look how long it's been. God's not going to get it to you. What are you waiting on? And if you let that play, little by little, it wears you down to where you don't have confidence anymore. You don't trust God anymore. You don't have faith anymore. And you walk away from it. As though you never wanted it. Because the enemy has stolen the desire for it from you. Got me? And so we have to live in a place of, of working on the relationship between us and God. It's, about, it's more about developing your relationship with him. Understanding him. Getting to know. Getting to know. <laughs> Getting to know all about you. You know what I'm saying? Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. I mean, that's the whole deal. Huh? So we have to get to like God. We have to get to love God. We have to get to know him. That's what the wait's about, folks. It ain't about nothing else but that. It's about cultivating. Amen. It's about cultivating a confidence in God. He knows who he is already. It's us that don't know. And see, just because you've been saved for 50 years, it doesn't mean you know God. It just means you've been, you know, parked in a pew. <laughs> When you can't sit on your own, they prop you up. You know what I'm saying? But but let's do more than prop in a pew. Let's let's get to know him. You know, let's have enough confidence in God to say, God, I really don't know you. I don't know what you mean by this. I'm at a loss here. Maybe there's something I'm missing you can fill me in on instead of assuming you know. Huh? It's like a, a, in a marriage when you got trouble. Everybody doesn't talk about the elephant in the middle of the room. Because they are scared to approach it because it's so big now. But how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? 
you got to start nibbling at that thing and start chipping away at it so that you get in there and find out what it is that's stalling, what it is that's missing, what it is that's calling you to want to fall away, what it is that's calling you to be disappointed and upset with God or upset with your life or upset with whatever we're upset with. We've got to start working at it so that we can then put fully our confidence over in God. It has to be full and total confidence or it's not faith. If it's not full and total confidence, it doesn't please God. It's not going to avail you anything. If you can't relax and let everything go and trust that you know, when when it's time, God will bring it back to you and he'll start telling you about it and discussing it with you or whatever. If nothing else, keep thanking God for it to keep yourself in the conversation. You know how we can make small talk and keep the conversation going because we don't want to lose contact with that person. Sometimes you have to do that with your relationship with God. If you're perplexed and you don't, you're stuck somewhere and you don't know how to move, and you're scared. I don't like where I am. I know God has better things for me, but it seems like there's a wide gap between where I am and the better thing. How do I get over? God's got to carry you over there. You've got to make some contact with him in such a way that he knows your dilemma, he knows your situation, and you can find out that he cares about you in this thing because you don't know that. When you're sitting here and you don't have it and what you need is over there and you can't get there, you don't know he cares about. And he does. He wants you to know he does. So to have faith in God, we must know him. you got to seek to know him. you got to know his ways, how he feels toward us. So then faith becomes a learning process. It's not something you memorize out of Hebrews 11. It becomes a learning process. It says, <clears throat> Abraham received a promise from God. That took, I don't know, about 13 years. I know it was more than 10 years. I'm trying to think because they always gave his age. Uh, it probably took, I know it took more than a dozen years for, for that promise to come to pass. In that period of time, he got to know God. You can tell by what the, the encounters that he would have with God. So really, the Bible says Abraham believed God. And it was counted to him as righteousness. That was their first encounter. When Hebrews chapter 12, I think it was, when he first met Abraham. When Abraham believed God, how, how did he show his faith in God? How do we know Abraham believed God in that first encounter? He moved. He obeyed God. God said, get up and go, and I'll show you where to go. And Abraham left. So that was counted to him as righteousness. Every time you get to a decision, you have to make the righteous decision. So Abraham got to where he was going. So again, he had to have a further encounter with God for the next step that he had to do and show God he believed him and take that next step. And then that would be counted to him as righteousness. 
So you have to be judged continually righteous on the decisions that you make. You know and I know that you can get slap happy because you got something going on right now. And you can decide you don't want to take the righteous route out. You want to start going your own way. Now that's so common it's it's pathetic. You know, we beg and plead and get something from God, and then we get it, and we take over. Huh? Mr. Fix-It, Miss Know-It-All, Miss Wonder Woman, Miss Great Person, you can, you can get in. Say God gives you a job. He has a plan for you on that job every day. I'm going to say it again. He has a plan for you on that job every day. But you get in the job, you're so excited about the, you know, I got a promotion, I got this, I got my own desk, I got a wall plaque, yada, yada, yada. And then you take over. And you don't make righteous decisions day by day, minute by minute. And trust me, this is what knowing God means. This is what he wants. He wants us to have continual contact with him so we don't screw up and wind up being in a corner somewhere wondering why we can't get from point A to point B and does God love us and how did I mess up and what do I need to do and maybe I need to fast and maybe I need to tithe more and Righteous minds don't work like that. They don't work like that. See, you stepped off into some kind of unrighteousness. Probably it started when somebody patted you on the back for doing something good at your job. And you started feeling good about it, took credit for it. And it has snowballed from there. I'm just talking, folks. I ain't picking at nobody. Not throwing no shade. Jeez. You know what I'm saying? But I'm trying to get you to understand there's more in you that you can use that will get you where you want to go. You just got to learn how to release it and let it go in your life and quit bottling it up in a bunch of nonsense. You got me? Too much watching the news will mess your head up. You got me? You get to start developing anger, and there are too many angry people on TV right now for Christians to sit and listen to that. I'm serious. you got to stay away from that stuff because the enemy is working in the war of words to propagandize people into being angry all the time. So you can, one day you'll think, I should go protest some. Well, this is just, you know, my job is protesting. Maybe I need to get out there. Well, the devil knows you're a Christian even if you don't. Today. You're the first one to get booked. And trust me, if you go to jail for some stupid stuff, don't tell nobody you belong to nobody that I know. (laughs) I can, can you call? I wouldn't call my pastor. Uh-uh. Huh? Don't know him. I told him, I said, no, we don't even have members at our church. We don't have a membership. Huh? It's true. <laughs> 
see, God does, he wants us to live as righteous people continually. Continually. Huh? Continually. Continually. So Abraham made righteous decisions. Some decisions were not righteous. You all know that. We follow the same pattern. There are some things that we do on our own. When Abraham went down to Egypt, he did not consult the Lord. It was just, it, there was no food where he was. Everybody was going there and he went with the flow. Got me? And so we can get ourselves in that kind of bind as believers. That we will go with the flow of the mindset, go with the flow of what everybody does, go with the flow of what everybody thinks without knowing it. And then we wind up in a place where we can't get out, can't get our faith to work, not sure if we want this anymore, not sure where we're going to go because we've been swept in by the flow of things. Abraham was blessed by God in that he had a covenant with God. When the, when the uh, prince of Egypt was about to take Sarah as his wife, God appeared to him sovereignly. It, it doesn't say Abraham prayed. It didn't say Abraham built an altar to God in Egypt where he could worship him. But he had a covenant with God and he serves a God who remembers covenant and God remembers his covenant even if you don't. Why do we sit around wondering about these crazy little things? What do I need to do? How do I get it? And you have a covenant with God who keeps covenant and mercy to 13 generations, even if you don't make the right decision. How do you think get most of you get most of your stuff, most of us, and don't even pray that much for it, specifically? You have a God who... who believes that you believe you received it when you prayed even if you forgot you prayed for it and even if you ain't sure you believed you received it when you did i believe i received when i prayed well let me say that now i believe i received that okay i'm covered you know that's how we live and see we put all the pressure on us to keep the covenant when god says he keeps it Listen, if the Holy Ghost didn't make you feel a certain way when you hear a certain song, you wouldn't worship God. Come on, y'all. Now listen, don't think you're doing none of this stuff. Huh? Dragging church with wind on your jaws. Jaws. Trying to force a smile. Or you look down all the time and again bump into somebody. Talk to nobody. Let me talk to nobody. And then pretty soon you're back there lifting holy hands. Had no intention of doing right today at all, even in the worship. Why? Because you serve a God who keeps covenant and mercy. 
He keeps it. You don't do nothing. You don't keep nothing. You get involved when you're prompted. You got me? Or you get so dry, you say, oh, maybe I should read some word today. Uh, Go get your little Bible out, you know. Get the last page you read. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Thank God he keeps it. He keeps it. So that in itself is enough reason to have faith in God that he keeps the covenant for you. What are you out of sorts about? You trying to think of what you need to do to get him to move on. What do I, I got to move God. What do we do to move? Let's storm the gates of heaven. Remember them prayers? This Oh, these meetings are going to be wonderful. They've been bathed in prayer. Huh? And they're the same as they always are. You got me? Bath or no bath. Really, in order to trust God, you've got to have relationship every single day. Every day. Every day, every day, and hold on to him every day. You've got to seek to have his approval in your life. I know that sounds, oh, that's too controlling. You, you don't have to ask God about every single little thing. I highly suggest it if you can remember to do it. Huh? Think of all the righteous things you could accomplish if you seek God and his leading in it. How many times have we done things that didn't work out right and we wonder? Maybe I should have. Or remember something told me to. Absolutely. See, one day we're going to quit saying something and we're going to obey that. We're going to have enough knowledge of God, confidence in God, relationship with God to know that that's him talking to us for certainty. And we won't have to wonder. Say something told me and I didn't obey. See, we never say something told me and we get good results. It's always the afterthought. We should have done it. We're going to start doing it because we're going to know it's God. Amen. So faith is a learning process. Hate to tell you that, but you're learning how to trust God. You're learning. So Abraham received a promise from God that took 13 years to come to pass. In that period of time, he got to know God. This step cannot be skipped or overlooked. What you knew about him as a child should be radically different from what you know about him now. But you must still have that childlike confidence where you don't doubt. When when you know God says something, you know it's true. You know you can do it. You know you'll get good results if you obey it. Because faith works from the heart, there must be a relationship. Relationship comes from the heart, not the emotions. You got me? You can have emotional relationships with people and not let them in your heart. Because we have the key to that. Remember, guard your heart with all. You either let people in or let pe- don't let people in. Your girl, uh, what's her name? Iliana fixed my life, lady. 
She's really perceptive. That's a smart woman. She doesn't have the real power of God because she doesn't know how to live righteous. You know what I'm saying. But she's a smart lady in perceiving behaviors and people. And she'll tell people what's wrong in their relationships, but she doesn't have the power to help them fix it. And I hear her say over and over again, these relationships where uh, the couple fight all the time. And uh, who was that? Um, the girl, the housewife lady. Uh, she, she by who? Sheree girl. She by Sheree or whoever she is. She and that guy hated each other. And this, uh, Lana told him, he said, well, she, he said, well, you never let her in your heart. And you never let him in your heart. They had three kids together, got married, bought property, and didn't have a heart connection. I'm telling you, it happens. I'm just saying that to say it happens. And it's easy for us to not let God in our hearts because we're so busy looking at what we need from his hands. That's all they looked at each other. He wanted her to show up at the games and act like a wife. Well, she ain't a wife. I don't care how many shows she on that say housewife. She ain't one. And he knew it. That's why he never got affection for her on the inside of him. Why are you going to let somebody in there that's not quality? Just saying. You know what I'm saying. That's why marriages struggle. People are struggling to let, to make love happen when they don't know how. You gotta let people in your heart. You gotta open up to them. You gotta desert, decide to trust them and look no further. You gotta make some commitments and promises with that. Same thing with us and God. We've gotta quit struggling against whether we believe God's going to do it or not. That's not any proof of love. How would you like it if somebody put you on a performance basis in the relationship? You think, well, how shallow? We do that with God. We call him up when we need something. We got songs that'll tell tell us to do that. Tell him what you want. Huh? Like he'll push the man. Can you find Mr. Curtis Mayfield for me, please? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm your pusher, man. Huh? We just, you know, kind of like call him up when we need a fix or something. We run a little shot. Run a little low. None of them other numbers working. Huh? We call him up. Huh? So, so because faith works from the heart, there must be a relationship between us and God. That's what the waiting's for, folks. The waiting's for you to develop relationship. When you're when you're deciding to get married, you have what's called an engagement. That is supposed to be the period when you're deciding and getting to know one another and developing relationship. Huh? Sometimes there's a knowing, and, and, and this, is, this is right. You know, I was thinking about the Duggars. You know, I go from Curtis Mayfield to the Duggars, but that's life. But they required a courtship that they supervised over their children. When you're a Christian, you're a believer, you must have somebody in wisdom in God to supervise your courtship. 
other than that you're just you're just banking on jumping the broom and it's going to straighten out after you get over over the jump huh and that seldom happens you can tell people that but it, it seldom happens that way if you would respect god and what people are afraid let me tell you what they're scared of they're scared pastor bob gonna tell me i can't get married i'm never gonna tell you that you old enough to do what you want to do see where it's it and really Thank you. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. <laughs> thank you, Miss Tanya. Thank you. Thank you, DJ Tanya. <laughs> we get you get your little cap on backwards or whatever they do these days. Say DJ Tanya. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> anyway. Where was I? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Get a drummer some. Get a get a DJ some. Praise God. <laughs> so anyway, but God wants us to develop relationship. You're not just waiting on Him to give you something, huh? You're already betrothed. He already has promised you everything, but you've got to get relationship so you can believe what He tells you relationship helps you believe what god tells you so that's what the waiting is the waiting is to complete your faith add to this virtue Uh there's other fruit of the spirit that have to be added into your faith to help it help it what help it not only bring into your life the things you desire but helps you sustain them when the children of israel crossed the red sea the first sign of trouble god brought us over here to kill us let us all die in the wilderness how quickly they forget see so god doesn't want us to live like that you get a promise something goes wrong you start bad mouthing god and you and it never goes any further huh also all those people two people survived that generation two that were capable of fighting survived to fight why everybody else murmuring complaining God didn't want us to have this. God didn't want us to have that. And they were constantly read the word. They were constantly told the word. But the Bible says they didn't mix the word with what? Faith. So that, and, and get confidence in God. Keep believing the word. Not just the word they were going to possess and cross over, but the word that God would provide for them every day. The word that God had a good plan for their children and for their loved ones. All of that. They never believed any of it. They thought God led them there to die. And so many times in our lives, if, if time is a problem for us, we think God led us there to let us go. Or we, we, get, we abandon ourselves because in our hearts we begin to disconnect from God because we don't hold, know, how to, know how to hold on to the relationship in love. When you're married, you have to learn how to hold on to your spouse in love not in things you know go go buy another shabby dress 
or go to the store and get some flowers or, oh, I'm in the doghouse. I know I better go get you don't live like that when you with true love does not operate like that. You grab your spouse by the hand and say, you know what, something's not right here. We need to pray. We need to seek God and we need to get this together because there's something not right. Something is amiss and it needs to be made right. And we know, I know that only God has the answer for us. So we need to pray. And we need to recommit. What is it that that you think I can do for you? That'll give you more peace or more confidence or whatever it is. You got me? And start dealing with those things instead of pretending that they don't exist. And I'm telling you, most of our waiting is because we're pretending there's nothing wrong. and We know there's something wrong between us and our relationship with God. Or you would have peace. You would have confidence. You would have. See, when you when you get things straightened, when there's no barrier between you and God. He then delivers to you everything that you need to sustain your life. Your peace comes back. Your joy comes back. Your mind isn't messed up in 15 different directions because you're thinking crazy. You got me? Plotting how you're going to get out of this thing or what you're going to do now or what's coming next. And you don't want to know what's coming next. You're a hot mess. And so God knows how to get you out of that. But you got to go to him in humility and trusting him. So Abraham had periods where he, he made righteous decisions through faith in God because he knew the, the, the move to make. And there were some he made were unrighteous. And God kept covenant anyway. When he came and bailed Abraham and Sarah out of Egypt, if you just read the text, you think God is, is prospering him in disobedience. Number one, God didn't have a law. That he delivered to Abraham. He had a promise. There was no law there. So Abraham lived by faith. By a faith that was outside of the law. Which means just like we do sometimes. We are outlaws. And we can still get blessed anyway. Now instead of feeling like you escape by the skin of your teeth every time. Understand that you serve a righteous God. If he put it in your hands, it must be okay. I'm going to say that again. You know, so much religion hanging around us all the time and just telling us this, that, and the other. But if God put it in your hands, it must be okay. Don't sit up and talk about how you don't deserve this and I don't know how this happened. Just take it, you thief, and run. You've been, wanting to, you've been wanting to steal from God for a long time. Tell the truth. No. If I didn't have to do this and if I didn't have to do that. He gives you a freebie and you get scared. No. Because he keeps covenant. Richard, Richard Wormbrand was talking to the guy in the uh, persecuted Christian ones who was tortured for Christ. He said that uh, in, in some of his uh, writings when he was in solitary confinement, he said, you know, I could live a peaceful Christian life in here if it weren't for a thief that comes to me at night. And he said, this is the thief that tells me, he said, if, if I was interrogated during the day and they asked me to give them names of other people who were Christians on the outside, 
And he knew what would happen. They'd go and arrest him and torture them. And I told him I didn't know anybody. He said, there's a thief that comes to me and tells me, you liar. You're supposed to be a Christian. And you you understand what I'm saying? So if God is your judge, you have to let God be your judge, period. You can't let them little thieving demons in your head come and read you the riot act and read you the law and tell you you can't have something. It's like people who have criticized Abraham because he was, you know, more or less pimping his wife. You know, you know what I'm saying. That's what they did back. They do that now. You know, that ain't new. People think that's something new. You see people doing it. But he was doing it then. But he was trying to save his life. But before that, that prince slept with Sarah, God visited him. See, this is why you have a God. So that when you lie, cheat, steal, and don't deserve no mercy, he gives you mercy anyway. I mean, and you're a Christian too. You understand what I'm saying? He does it over and over. See, we think, I'm saved. I don't do nothing wrong no more. And if I do something wrong, oh my. Uh Uh-huh. And see, we let these thieves of legalism and telling God how to judge his own law, telling him who to bless and who not to bless, and I don't deserve it, you don't deserve it. We let them little demons and little thieves steal our mercy from us because we don't like the fact we live off mercy, but we do. You think you live off obedience. It's a joke. If it weren't for mercy, you couldn't obey the little bit you do. And me either. You think, how'd I look up on this? It's a faith accident. Hey, if that's all you ever live off of, that's, and the God wants to bless you that way, help yourself. Who am I to judge? I don't judge you. I don't go, judge God in his law either. <laughs> See, you can't overlook this step of relationship with God. You've got to do that. And that's because faith works from the heart. We said that there must be a heart relationship between us and God. You've got to open up and let him into your heart and into your life. Into the bad corners of your life. Huh? We cannot merely go through steps and actions and receive from God. You've got to be engaged. You've got to have yourself invested. The waiting process, you've got to look at it. Stop saying, I'm waiting, saying, I'm getting to know God. Getting to know him. Huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So you're not sitting in a little corner with God on the other corner until your promise comes to pass. You have to engage him. You are betrothed to God, which means you can talk to him. You can touch him. You can relate to him. You can ask him what he thinks about you. All of those things. It's called a a courtship process. Amen. And that's what he's doing. He is courting his bride. I mean, I know when your bills need to be paid, you don't feel real romantic, right? Get over yourself. 
<laughs> what does relationship mean? Number one, it means you make time for God. Now, that's your, you have to make that effort. You have to set aside time for God. When you love somebody and they love you, you're supposed to want to spend time with them. Amen? You make time for everything else you want to do. You make time for God. It's amazing people will put him on the short end of everything. But you're always confessing you got the best, you want the best, and blessed by the best, no stress, what more or less. <laughs> and I'm a mess. Yes, yes. So, so you got to have time in the word, time in worship, time in prayer. See, we say that and everybody says yes, and then it just goes whoop right out your mind. You don't do it. But I think people are wanting to do it because there's nothing else to do. Huh? You don't have abundance of money. You don't have abundance of peace. You don't have abundance. There's always something going on in your life that needs your attention. And that means you need God's help. Huh? So you don't have an easy street life at all. See, we think by disconnecting ourselves from wanting things from God... We'll have an easier life. Hmm? Well, what do you believe in God for? Hmm. When we used to live like having a whole list that we had right on the top, you know? Huh? What are you too engaged in talking about these days, you and God? And I mean outside of more money. Everybody wants more money. Huh? What what things has he told you he wants to, you to do for him that you can get engaged in? What do what do you do? Well, you know when I when I'm around people, I witness to them. You want to do more? What's your plan? What's God's plan for you? How do you fit in to the scheme of things on earth? What do you what do, what do you have planned that you and God work on every day? See, we got to do that. I mean, I, I know that sounds extraordinary. Oh, Pastor Barr, she can do it. She, oh, her husband did. She ain't got nothing to do. She's running around there cooking for people there now and then and making us eat bean soup. <laughs> Which I had to save mine because I was riding families. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> be seriously. I listen, to, I listen to the devil tell me lies all the time. I know he be lying to y'all. He lied to everybody. Huh? See, he wants to discredit me because I'm bored and don't have nothing to do but pray and sit around and read the Bible all the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you got stuff to do. Huh? Yeah, we all do. But I'm telling you, it will pay you to cultivate a relationship with God. It'll pay you. It'll help you. It'll help you in ways you don't even know. You know, the amazing thing about faith is that God tells you to do something, and he promises you a reward for it. You use your faith to start doing it. Most of the time, we're waiting on the reward before we use our faith. And see, what happens is, once your faith is engaged in it, it brings it to life for you, so that even if somebody told you what it would be like, you couldn't have that same experience 
that, that you have once you use your faith to do it and it comes to pass and you start living in it by faith. Or you live in it in the experience of God. See, I can sit on this side of, of obedience and say, oh, I better obey God because when I obey God, I'll have such and such and so and so and so and so and so. That's not thinking it through right here. It's going to be totally different than if I use my faith and make it come alive and jump in it over here. It's a totally different experience. There are things that will come out of it that God doesn't even tell you that you can't even perceive right now if he told you what they were. So you open up a whole new realm of living once you get involved in it in faith. See, faith brings it to a, a supernatural life that keeps giving and keeps giving in your life and keeps making your life richer and richer. And But see, while you're sitting over here in the natural wondering if you should get involved or not, and somebody can tell you all the great things over here, it won't move you. you got to get yourself, you got to invest in it to get involved in it and step over in it in faith. And then it comes to supernatural life. Over here is just the hearing and your carnal imagination, if you can imagine anything. That does not move people. What will move you is you say, God, you know what? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to get up and do this because you said that if I do it, there's reward for me. And I'm going to trust you that when I get over there in it, the reward will be there and it will keep repeating itself because you're an eternal God. And see, once we have that faith experience, we want to keep having more faith experiences. Because he can give you something and you can get it and live in it in faith for a season. And then the faith goes away and you start living natural and it's a burden to you and it's a problem to you. So faith is a something that, that uh, it's like a, an addiction. You've got to keep using it. in order. You know within you that life will not come to life anymore unless you get in there in faith and start doing it the right way. I keep everything working in my life by faith. I don't speak anything evil about stuff. If I do, I catch myself. I say, what's wrong with you? This is your possession. you got to. Huh? If I decide I ain't spending money on something, I ain't spending it. We're going to get it jacked up with faith. You got me? It's going to keep going, too. My car is, what, 24, 25 years old? I don't have problems. I'm not having any. I there's nothing in my budget, my mind, my my heart for problems for things that I possess. I'm not looking for any, and I'm not looking for anybody to help me solve any. I have no problems. You got me? Now, why do I do that? Do I do that to make you feel small? She always bragging about. I can't fucking can't be no, I do it to keep him close to me. Because, see, he's my best friend. That's how I contact him. Now, you can contact him. You can call him up and tell him what you want. Like he's your, like he's your pusher man. <laughs> yep.
Praise God. Oh, huh? <laughs> He's scared. Praise God. No, I mean, my uh, hand, is it on now? Yeah, okay, that's good. No, but I'm saying that you can either, you've got to find a way to keep living contact with God. Now, that's the way I do it. Because that reminds me that I'm depending on God every day for everything that I do. You, you got me? I, I have certain things. I sanctify certain things. In my car, I don't play crazy stuff. I don't play, you know, I don't care about popular music. God took that taste away from me. Uh, any of that stuff, I care less about it. You know, and, and, and that's a small thing. I could turn it off. I don't really care. But, but I manage my life where I'm doing something I know God will approve of with that vehicle. And I'm not complaining about it. You got me? Things that he puts in your life to bless you, you have to embrace them as a blessing. Like, you know, all he tells us to do, he tells us to gather bears for kids that that are sitting, languishing, and don't know if they're going to live or die. It's a small thing. Can we do it with joy? Can we do it with rejoicing? Can we want to do it? Can we take pleasure in doing it to please him? He tells you pick up bread and distribute it to people who should know how to manage their lives, most of them, but don't. Are you any different, really? Just a thought. You understand what I'm saying? You're just not on the receiving end. You're on the giving end of it. So can we do that with joy and gladness? Amen. Not complaining. Not resenting. Having to take the time. A little gasoline that it takes, any of that stuff. You understand what I'm saying? So, so these are ways that we have to stay in contact with God in a good way where it will be a blessing to us. And those are seeds that you sow of righteousness. When, when you need something from God, your brain won't be tormented. Did I do what I was supposed to? Am I helping where I did? What do I do? You know, that kind of stuff. It's amazing how your conscience will monk you up when you need something because it reminds you that you didn't do something or you didn't want to do it or you did it with resentment or you didn't follow through on it. You dropped the ball on it. huh? So you have to develop in your relationship with God, you have to develop ways to stay in living contact with him every day, every day. When I expect my my stove to continue to work, and I do, I don't talk to it mean. I don't. I still clean it, you know. <laughs> Smokes a little bit. <laughs> I don't have the faith to turn the cleaner on because that might blow everything. So I'm back back to trying to clean it by hand, kind of thing. But I'm determined to let that be my point of contact. To relate to God on a continual basis. And I don't want to have to believe him for money to get another one. You understand what I'm saying? You know, sign up for payments. Oh, it's not going to be that much. No, it is going to be. It's going to ruin. It's going to ruin everything I have with God. See, to me, it's not a matter of money. It's not a matter of dollar and cents. Ah, oh, Pastor Barb, she just cheap. You know how much money her husband left her? Woo, that girl filthy rich. No, it's not about that. 
you understand me? It's not about that. It's more about my relationship with him. I love him. He loves me. That's my way of contacting him on a regular basis. Huh? Coco's got a little eye discharge. And I look at the poor thing and I said, Lord, I said, the Lord, me is one thing. If I can walk by faith and have a little discomfort, that's one thing. But he's just a puppy. She just got stolen and brought to our house. Oopsie. 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 Even let David keep all his wives and he wasn't supposed to have them. He recovered everything. So now I'm having to trust him in the waiting process with something I love, which is a crazy dog. You understand what I'm saying? I let her into my heart. So so it's sometimes it's a little tough, but I think, God, you love her more than I do. She never complains about it. She's looking for food like always. As long as she's willing to eat, and, you know, it's all good as far as she's concerned. But these are ways I stay in contact with God. Trusting God with her health as well as my own keeps me in contact with him every day. I have to talk to him and thank him for healing us and talk to him, God, what should I do? Well, no, I'm, I'm going to trust you. I said I was going to trust you. I'm gonna, I won't doubt until that clears up. You got me? So to me, these are not anymore. No, they used to be. To Trust me. Used to be problems. But to me, now they're not problems anymore. They are opportunities for me to contact the living God in relationship and develop more love for him, more trust in him. Have faith in God so that when I need his faith in me to work, I know I can have what I say. I know that when I speak to these things, he hears and the answer is on the way. When you, you don't, don't take anything and substitute for faith in God. Don't ever receive a substitute because that faith will work. You work your relationship with him. You stay in daily contact. I don't care if it's a, then people had a minute scriptures. I really resent that. I think my God is worth more than a minute. Hello? He lives in you. You can spend a lot of time with God. But I believe that it's, it's about relationship now more than ever. Cultivating relationship. You gotta know him and know what he's going to do. Know what he expects of you and get about doing it. So that you won't be faltering and you won't be out here in limbo. You won't be letting things go and then don't have anything else to grab onto. You understand what I'm saying? We've got to put our faith in God. Okay, I'm done. Father, we thank you for your love and for your understanding of us.